like Stan said here just a minute ago, short summer. Nice, nice fall morning. How'd the crops do over the one-day summer? <laughs> a little short, yeah. Okay, well, uh, this morning we're very blessed to have Ruby with us to bring the message again. So thank you, Ruby, for accepting our invitation. We appreciate that. Uh, um, oh, there's Mel. Mel, how did uh, you had a little uh, cleanup session on Wednesday? How did you make out with with the pavilion? Okay. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Thank you, those that participated. Thank you very much. That's. Uh, we're, we're going to start allowing people to uh, use the pavilion uh, over the summer. Not the main sanctuary, not the main building here, just a pavilion. So that was important that it get cleaned up, ready to go. So we're good. The water's on and all that, I assume. Is that correct? Yeah, okay. Because we have to turn the water off during the winter. It's not winterized and we don't want the pipes to freeze. So the water's back on and we're... Uh, we already have a couple groups that have requested the use of the pavilion over the summer, so we're looking forward to that. All right. Well, last week we did not have a full contingent here. <clears throat> we had to kind of do without music. I offered her five bucks extra to to stay with us and play last and she she didn't want to do it so but we did okay you you all sang well and uh, we did well a cappello so we were very good with with uh, singing the hymns that we had but we're blessed to have Megan back with us again and of course the rest of her family and and uh, other people Christine was not here last week but we have her here today and uh, yeah, and Paul also. And uh, Christine, do you have any updates that you need to share with us as far as the, the concerns? And okay. 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 Okay, all right. So the, okay. so the updates are all made. Does anybody have anything they'd like to share? Okay, Tina, let me slip on my disguise here. I'll get back there to you. Are you ready? Okay. Um, are we on? Are we on, Dave? It's on. Yep. There we go. Um, First of all, Erin um, Selker, the one who had pancreatic cancer, she lost her battle this week, I believe on Tuesday. Um, but the post on the Caring Bridge was, and I shared this before, that, you know, victory either way. Yeah. Um, for Erin, yeah. um, she does leave behind a husband and five children. So, and she was only 40 years old. 
So her children, I believe, range from like 3 to 11. So please keep her husband uh, in your prayers as he not only struggles with her loss, but with now five children on his own. Um, I have a friend, um, and she asked that I only share her first name at this point, um, Kathy. She just found out she has breast cancer, um, well, probably a week or so ago. Um, her daughter had called me and asked for a prayer shawl, and she said, but please don't say it publicly because not a lot of people know, and of course we don't want someone to find out, you right. know, not through her. Um, but her first name is Kathy, and she has uh, breast cancer, and she's also having a lot of, um, I don't know if you call it abdominal cervical pain, so there's some concern there that there may be cancer elsewhere, so. Um, and one more, um, Doug's niece, Jenna, who, um, <clears throat> 20 years old, um, she is, um, she goes to uh, Rutgers, she's a gymnast, gymnast at Rutgers, um, her sophomore year, did very, very well, um, is doing very well. But back in November, um, she had COVID. Well, when you are an athlete at a D1 school, in order for her to go back to school, uh, there had to be some tests done, some EKGs and that kind of thing to make sure that she was healthy enough to um, participate. <clears throat> um, long story short, they found out that she has thymoma um, it's a very, very rare thing. Um, it's not of the thyroid. It's actually a mass that is attached to her heart and her artery. Um, and it is the size of a grapefruit. So um, they don't know whether it, it is cancerous. They won't know until they remove it. She is going to have surgery June 16th. Um, they're going up to um, Sloan Kettering. They got in with Sloan Kettering in New York because it is so rare. Um, Hershey Med, they said, does one or two of these a year. Sloan Kettering does one or two a month. So even though it's rare, they feel like Sloan Kettering is the, the better place for her to be. So, um, yeah, I mean, she... She said, there's nothing we can do but pray. So it's, um, <clears throat> we all are believing it's, it's going to be okay. And God is great. Yep. And uh, she, she just seems to be doing okay with, I mean, they've known since November. They only told us two weeks ago um, once they kind of had everything all figured out. Because in the beginning, there was a lot of questions, a lot of, but please keep Jenna and Doug's sister, Deb, and, and the family in your prayers. So sorry that was a little long-winded, but... No, that's okay. That's all right. Harriet? Our grandson, Rod, is doing well, but he's still having tests done. And, um, the, yeah, Brandon Farley, the one that we shot, his wounds are healing. But we didn't hear anything about the growth on his uh, kidney yet. So, keep praying. Yeah. <laughs> Let me, uh, kind of all roped off here. Let me swing around. 
couple of weeks ago, I had asked for uh, prayer. Earl and I were in testing, and uh, Earl has, they found that he has a thymus tumor. Oh. Yes. Um, and uh, to get in there and remove it to see if it's cancer, they'd have to collapse his lung and do it pro, uh, robotic. And then, um, so he's decided to wait six months to see what the next CAT scan says. And uh, I had testing and they found that my artery into, the vertebral artery into my brain is occluded, it's blocked. But I have three other ones that are working, so. Okay, okay, so. Yeah, so it's it's not as dour as it sounds, but yeah, so I just asked for a prayer for for Earl, yeah. Okay. Birthday. Oh my goodness sakes, alive. Paul and Jim. Oh my goodness sakes. Both of you on Friday, this coming Friday. Now I know Paul is old. He's what? Oh, yeah, you're, I'm sorry, I didn't look at the initial. Paul A. Paul M is, the M stands for mature. See, that's how I remember this. <laughs> All right, well, I'll tell you what, why don't we sing happy birthday while we got it before us here, okay? Heavenly Father, we've... We come as a congregation that prays and realizes that prayer is important. Not only is it important, but it works, and we know that. And so we come to you with petitions that we have heard from our various congregational members here, people who are looking at surgeries coming up. Lord, steady them. Give them the courage that they need. Calm their hearts. Let them know that you are with them. And we pray for those that are going to perform the operation that they will receive from you the knowledge and the abilities that is so necessary for successful operations, for successful procedures. Thank you, Lord, for you are the great physician, and we know that you will guide those that you have put in charge. <clears throat> Thank you. And we also pray, Lord, for individuals who are recuperating, that are looking forward to getting back to their normal way of life. It's tough whenever we, uh, we can't function the way we normally do because of things that are drawing us down, health concerns and so forth. Lord, bless these people. And of course, we always look to those who have lost loved ones. Lord, we, if, it's, if they are believers, there's no, no fact that we have to worry about because we know they are with you. But Lord, we pray for their families. We mourn the loss of loved ones. Lord, calm those families. Give them the assurance that you are with them. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we also pray for other believers throughout the world 
I specifically think of those in Nigeria. I just read some time ago, Lord, that uh, there's increased violence in Africa, Central Africa, and Nigeria falls right in that group. Lord, protect those believers. Stretch out your mighty right arm and pull them tight into your chest. Lord, they need you, and they know that you are with them. Increase their faith. Give them great perseverance. And not only the believers in Nigeria, but throughout the world, Lord, we could name various countries all over the planet that are fighting against your word. But your word will prevail, and we're sure of that. So protect your believers. Protect your brothers and sisters and that we came. We call our brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for their faith. And may we increase our faith as well. And we also pray for this country, Lord, a country that is in great turmoil. Lord, help us. Show us mercy. Take the remnant of believers that we have here and strengthen them. Let them know that they have to proclaim your word throughout the country. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done for us. And we know that you are with us. We know that your spirit will guide us. And thank you again for your son, Jesus Christ, who is our savior and our coming king. And we pray this in his name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Ruby, we're going to turn it over to you again for being with us, and we look forward to hearing what you have to say. Good morning. It is good to be here with you again on this uh, kind of cool, cloudy, still spring day. And, uh, you know, we need to rain, you know. I know last week at church, at the Akron Church, they asked for prayer requests before Sunday school, and I said, pray for rain, because I knew how dry the ground was as I worked at home. And so we're thankful for the rain that God sends us and uh, pray that we will continue to get that rain. I realized I failed to send the scripture reading and my message title to the secretary I'd send it to Mike, but I, you know, never, you know, send it in. So the message title this morning is Ordinary Women Plus Faith Equals the Extraordinary. And my scripture reading is from Luke, the seventh chapter. I will begin reading with the 36th verse and continue into chapter 8 through verse 3. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, 
he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. After this, Jesus traveled about from town and village, from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. May God bless the reading of his holy word. I want to briefly explain the reason for this message. I think it was back in January or February, the Sunday school lessons were on different women from the Bible. And that got me thinking, because many times when we look at scripture, it seems that the men get lifted up and the women get, kind of get pushed off to the side. But that really was not what happened, because we see over and over again that Jesus did not ignore women. Just in the scripture that I read this morning, you know, that woman there, Jesus didn't ignore what she was doing. No, he lifted her up and in turn forgave her sins. And others that he healed, sometimes he brought them back into the religious community that they were being shunned from because of the problems that they had experienced. And then if we look at uh, Paul's ministry, he worked side by side with many women and considered them co-laborers in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'd encourage you to go sometime and read Romans 16. You go, why do I want to read that chapter? There's a lot of names there. But as you read through that chapter, you see many women mentioned. And Paul's saying, greet them, because these are women that he wanted to acknowledge. These are women who worked with him. You know, there's, there's Phoebe and Priscilla and um, uh, Junius, and, you know, it goes on and on. And some of you says to the man, you know, hey, and greet your mother because she was a mother to me as well. 
to take some time to read that and just look at, you know, where, where women were, had an active role within the church. And, and as I think about that, all, all the women mentioned throughout Scripture, the Old Testament and into the New Testament, um, we need women in the church today. And we see how women have, were active within the church from the time of Jesus up to the present time. And believe me, a lot of our churches would not even be going if it wouldn't be for some of the women who were there. I mean, granted, you know, men have been helpful and, and we don't want to put men down at all. You know, I, I'm not doing that. But you know what? If it wouldn't be for some of the women teaching Sunday school classes and things like that sometimes, where would the church be? You know, we would be hard-pressed. And so it was kind of out of that that... Uh, this message uh, came about, you know, as I, I thought about that. And it's a message that I just feel that uh, I want to share, you know, with you. Um, the message today is going to focus on two women from the Bible. One is a mother. One is not a mother, as far as we know. And then a modern-day woman who is still living. And there's a common thread that links all these women together that we're going to be looking at today, and that is faith. So therefore, the title of the message, Ordinary Women Plus Faith, equals the extraordinary. The first woman we want to consider today, uh, and, and her story is found in, in Luke, the first chapter, is Mary of Nazareth, who became the mother of Jesus. Now, Mary at that time most likely was a teenager, 15, 16 years old. And she was engaged to be married to Joseph. So what would Mary be doing at that time in her life? She would be preparing for her marriage. She didn't have Walmart to go to or Amazon to, you know, order things from for her, her new household that she was going to be setting up. No, instead, Mary was spending time weaving the cloth that she would use for blankets and towels and, and all of those things. You know, there was a lot of work that she had to do. And I can just picture Mary one day sitting very quietly, working on something, and suddenly the angel Gabriel appears to her. Now, if we were in the sanctuary and an angel would appear, it would frighten every one of us. Mary had the same reaction. She was frightened. All of a sudden, this heavenly being is there in front of her. And Gabriel says to her, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary is filled with fear. Now Gabriel came with a message and he promptly proceeds to tell her the message. He tries to calm her fears when he says, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And then he goes on, You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. I'm not sure that that message calmed her fears any. I think if anything... It brought on all kinds of questions like, wait, wait a second, how, how can this be happening? I can just imagine those split seconds how all kinds of thoughts ran through Mary's head. And she finally gets to the point that she can ask a question. And she says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel continues then to give his message and explains exactly how she's going to conceive and become pregnant with the Son of God. And then he tells her, for nothing is impossible with God. Important words to remember when we think about our own lives. Nothing is impossible with God. 
You see, when God asks us to do something, we can be assured that with God's help, it will be accomplished. Now we come to the most important part of the story where we see Mary's faith. Mary doesn't ask any more questions, but she says uh, to the angel, with all the faith that she has within her, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. It's only her faith that allows her to declare that she is the Lord's servant and she is willing to take on the responsibility that God is asking of her. After the angel leaves, I'm sure Mary's thoughts are all over the place. And she's trying to figure out just exactly what has happened, what's transpired here, and how she's going to live with this. And what is how is it going to affect her relationship with Joseph? And of course, we know that you know, Joseph had to have a dream and an angel appear to him for him to do the right thing as well. It was purely her faith in God that allowed her to make that statement to be the Lord's servant and to become the mother of Jesus, God's only son. And after giving birth to Jesus, the shepherds come to the stable to see Mary, to see the baby and Mary and, and Joseph, and they tell about how the angels appeared to them. And then in Luke 2.19, we read these words, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She did not want to forget all that was taking place. She wanted to understand the meaning of all that God was doing. So she pondered them of, of the actions that were taking place. She was not quick to turn away, which she could have been and said, you know what, i got to get on with life. I have a baby to take care of. But no, she took time to sit back and to think and to search for that deeper meaning of God's work within her life. Do we ever take time in our lives to treasure and to ponder the things that are happening to us? Allowing ourselves to ponder may help us to be more aware of how God is at work in our lives. The story of Mary and Jesus don't stop, doesn't stop here, but later we see Jesus as a man ready to begin his ministry, and he goes to a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And here we see Mary's faith again. When she goes to Jesus, you know, her son, she knew what he's capable of. And she says, you know what, they've run out of wine. And his first reaction is, you know, don't bother me. You know, I, I'm not getting involved here. But then she goes to the servants and tells them, do whatever he tells you. You know, it was her faith that saying, to, you know, that she has that, you know, to go and say, you know, do whatever he tells you. And, of course, we see what was Jesus' action. He takes the ordinary water and he turns it into the finest of wine. It was Jesus, it was, it was Mary that actually played a role in Jesus' ministry as well. We find that throughout different times we hear about that his mother and brothers and sisters were close by, so it seems that Mary followed his ministry a lot of the times, that she was close by, and she even followed him all the way to the cross. 
her faith did never, never wavered because she knew exactly who her son was. And there at the cross, Jesus acknowledged his mother and asked John to take care of her. Because Mary knew that her son was brought into the world to die for the salvation of everyone. It's because of Jesus' death that you and I are here today, that we have faith. Because it was Jesus' death that gives us forgiveness for our sins. Mary was an ordinary teenager, living an ordinary life. But God knew her and saw her faithfulness to him and therefore, he chose her to be the mother of his son. He asked her to take on the extraordinary task of raising his son, and she willingly accepted the challenge with the help of God to guide her as she, as she mothered that very special son. The second woman I want us to consider this morning is Martha of Bethany. And she's known most, most of the time as the sister of Mary. And the one who was preparing a meal and went and made a request for some help. Not an unreasonable request to have some help because you see she was probably preparing a meal for 16 people. I don't know about you, about you, but uh, don't ask me to prepare a meal for 16 people. That's not my, my, my thing. You know, some of you might be cooks and hosts and all that, and he's like, ah, no, not a problem at all. Sure, I, I'll prepare the meal. And, uh, and 14 of them would have been men, you know. Yeah, and some of you know how much men can eat sometimes. But, you know, Martha had this task before, and that's how we so many times know Martha. But today I want to show you a different side of Martha. So we're going to turn to John chapter 11. And we see a totally different Martha than the other story that we so much know Martha about. You know, here we find as this chapter starts out that Jesus had been sent a message that Lazarus was sick. Now, we don't know how far away Jesus was, but Jesus didn't drop everything and, and go to Bethany at that time. He delayed for a few days. And so we find that Lazarus died and he was buried, which meant by the time that Jesus arrived, it said he was in the grave for four days. So he probably died about five days before that because they would bury within 24, 48 hours after someone's death at that time. And now we want to skip down to verse 20 so that we can see the action of Martha as she runs out of the house when she gets the word that Jesus is on his way. She goes out to meet him. And she exclaims, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Why does she even exclaim that? Because she's, she knows Jesus and she knows the power he has and she's like, you know what, if he you would have been here when he was sick, you would have healed him, and he would not have died. But she doesn't stop with just that. She goes on and says, but I know that even now God will give you 
whatever you ask. So she has this faith that there can be a miracle even now. She doesn't ask for anything specifically, but says, hey, Jesus, whatever you ask for of God, he'll give to you. You know, that only comes with faith. That only comes with knowing who Jesus is. What kind of faith do we have? Do we ask God for something, believing that it's going to happen? Or do we ask and sometimes go on and just say, well, yeah, I ask, you know, and, you know, how, how much do we believe? What is our faith that we have? The conversation be continues between Martha and Jesus. And Jesus tells her, your brother will rise again. And once again, we see Martha's faith. She says, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection at the last day. You know, so Martha wasn't just about preparing food and hosting dinners. Martha had listened to Jesus. And she knew about that resurrection. She knew that when time on earth ended and eternity started, that all those who believed would be there for all of eternity. Because she says, yeah, he's going to rise again at the last day. He's going to be there in heaven. And then Jesus tells her, and this is the, the, the verse that I think so many times gets quoted and everything else is forgotten. But Jesus tells us, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And even though this verse is used at funerals in all kinds of places and, we, and so many pastors take this, do you believe this and turn it to us? And it's a question that we need to ask ourselves. Do we believe that? But did, Jesus was asking that day of Martha, do you believe this? And Martha declares with all of her faith, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Wow. What a statement of faith. Maybe we could say that she was the first theologian as she gives a profound message of theology. You are the Messiah, the Son of God. There is no doubt in Martha of who Jesus is. And I can think I can say that Martha is the first woman to declare Jesus is the Messiah. This message that is proclaimed by Martha too many times gets overlooked. And I want you to hear it this morning. Martha declares that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And you know what? It wasn't just be that message between her, but there were many other Jews standing around there. Martha's proclaiming this message to all of those who were hearing we're there within that hearing. I hope it's a message that we too can proclaim. That every one of us sitting here can truly proclaim that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Son of God and that Jesus Christ is our Savior. If you're here this morning and you're questioning, you know, you know what, I'm not exactly sure who Jesus is. Please don't leave here without talking to somebody else. Because Jesus is the Messiah, the one who has come into the world. And Martha very plainly 
declares that to everyone there. Now she did have one moment as they went to the tomb and Jesus tells them to lift the stone off of the tomb and, her, and, and the tomb where Lazarus is buried was one where the stone had to be lifted up, not rolled away like, like Jesus' tomb later on, but lift off the tomb. And Martha objects. Martha's a very practical, down-to-earth person. And she says, I'm not sure you want to do that because it's going to smell. Because she knew how long her brother was in the tomb. But then Jesus tells her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Martha stood back and she witnessed the glory of God as Jesus called for, for Lazarus to come out of that tomb. And Lazarus is raised back to life. A wonderful gift given to Mary and Martha. Because you see, at that day, it was important for the household to have a man in it. And to show their appreciation for all that Jesus had done for them, they hosted a dinner at their house, which was something that they, normal, they, they, they did frequently, but here it was a special dinner to honor Jesus because of bringing Lazarus back to life. And we're told that Martha served, Lazarus reclined at the table, and then Mary anointed the feet of Jesus with some very expensive uh, pure nard. That's found in, in chapter 12. It was their way of expressing their love for the one who they knew that was the Messiah, the one who was their Savior. Martha was a wonderful witness to other people, telling them exactly who Jesus is. How is our faith? And who are we telling about Jesus the Messiah? Do we share with other people of how Jesus has changed our life? To see the power of God at work in our world, I want us to think for the next few moments about some women and men we know who have shown great faith in the things they have done. I'm sure each one of you can think of at least one person and probably more in your life who have influenced you and helped to direct you to Jesus Christ and the faith that you have today. In my life, I think of Sunday school teachers that I had as a child and how they diligently taught me the stories from the Bible. Think of one when I was eight who encouraged me to learn the books of the Bible. I learned them. I can still say them today. It's been a help for me, you know, throughout my life. And there's many other things, other people who have been an influence you know, through, through the years of my growing up. But as we think about those in our life who have been of a, a positive influence on us, I want to share a little bit about another woman, one who's still living, who spent all her adult life in a wheelchair, and yet has done great things to assist people with other disabilities all around the world. She's 71 years old, her name is Johnny Erickson Tata. Probably many of you know about her. In her late teens, she dove into shallow water and fractured her neck and became a quadriplegic. Initially, she spent many, many months in the hospital. She was depressed over her situation, but it was finally her faith in God that carried her through all the difficult days that she has faced in her life. 
it was not her plan to spend her life in a wheelchair. But she found a way to use her disability to minister to people all over the world who are dealing with disabilities as well. She began Johnny and Friends, an organization that now oversees multiple ministries. One of those is Wheels for, Wheels for the World, where they take wheelchairs, wheelchairs that people donate to, to, to them. If they're too old to be repaired, they use those for parts to repair the other chairs, but they take whatever they can and they take them, they clean them up, they, they go across them, refurbish them, do everything necessary, get them into excellent working condition. And then they ship them off to other countries and find what adult or what child fits this particular wheelchair. And they put that person in a wheelchair for those who have that need. And one time I heard her say on a radio program, she says, you know, I don't know the languages of people in other countries, but when you put somebody in a wheelchair and you see that smile break on their face and they start to wheel around and they have mobility which they did not have, she says that smile is the only language you need because it says so many words. It's so powerful. The organization of Johnny and Friends also plans retreats for families with disabled individuals, children or, or adults. And these retreats go on all over the world, not just here in the United States. They do internships and they run the Christian Institute on Disability and they have the Luke 14 Project, which is a friend to the rejected and the ignored. Johnny realized the pain that the, the disabled experience when they are ignored by other people or right out rejected because they need to function in a different way than the norm of society. And Johnny wanted to leave a legacy, so another ministry has been started called Johnny's House, which will provide medical care, physical therapy, medical advocacy, social care, economic care, spiritual care, and respite care. The first house has been built in El Salvador, and they plan to build them in many other developing countries around the world. Just to give an in, a glimpse into some of the impact of her ministries, I want to share a few numbers. 187,759 plus wheelchairs have been delivered internationally. Over 111,708 Bibles delivered globally and 63,000 plus special needs family members have been served at a family retreat. Because one person had faith and started a ministry, hundreds of thousands of people have been affected all over the world. And all of these ministries, the goal is to share the message of salvation with people around the world that, who are hurting because of disabilities. If Johnny had not been in, injured, she probably would have never started that organization of Johnny and Friends. You know, it was never Johnny's plan to have such an or, a large organization, but it was her own disability and the awareness of a need, and God supplied the people and the assistance she needed to reach out to other people. No one can do it themselves, 
but it's the help of many people working together that it gets done. It was her faith and dependence upon God that she was able to build the network for helping people with disabilities. When God lays something on your heart, maybe there's some thought you have about doing something, and you're like, I don't know how I can do it. I can't do this by myself. But that thought just keeps nagging you. It just won't go away. I encourage you to start spending time in prayer about that. And then talk maybe to at least one other person or, or maybe a few people in the church. Ask them to pray too. And it's just that simple sharing sometimes and, and that networking together that you know, then you can start to determine exactly what God is asking you to do. And if you have the faith and, and you realize that God is the one calling me to do something, God will supply what you need for the work that he wants you to do. You may be an ordinary person, but God will use you for his glory and sharing the message of salvation with other people. Remember, nothing is impossible with God. There's a song that I heard years ago. I think the title is Ordinary People. And I just want to share the words of this song with you. I'm not sure if I had the words completely uh, or exactly right, but it goes at least something like this. Just ordinary people. God uses ordinary people. He chooses people just like me and you who are willing to do as he commands. God uses people who will give their all no matter how small that all may seem to you because little becomes much when you place it in the master's hands. Oh, just like that little lad who gave Jesus all he had and the multitudes were fed with the fish and loaves of bread. What you have may not seem much, but when yielded to the touch of the master's loving hands, then you'll understand that your life will never be the same. Just ordinary people. God uses ordinary people. We may think we are ordinary, but God uses us, but God sees us as someone very special and wants to use us to do extraordinary work for him. Put your trust in Jesus Christ and let the Holy Spirit guide you because you will see great things take place and God will be glorified. Amen. Will you stand with us and we will sing number...